Well, that's one way to prove that you're an expert on corruption. The lead starts right now. Breaking news today, two Trump-supporting Rudy Giuliani associates arrested. They were connected to the effort to dig up dirt in Ukraine over Joe Biden, but does their alleged crime here connect it all to the tangled web that could lead to impeachment? So far, President Trump has been silent on his lawyer's associates being nabbed at the airport trying to skip the country. What might he say when he walks to Marine One this hour? And Republican anger growing with the death toll as President Trump allows Turkey to run over U.S. allies in Syria. A Republican congressman and Iraq war veteran with a passionate opinion on the subject will join me this hour. This is CNN Breaking News. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Jake Tapper, and we begin with the breaking news. Two of Rudy Giuliani's so-called expert witnesses to find alleged corruption by Trump's opponents were arrested today by the U.S. Department of Justice for, quote, corrupt behavior. Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman, shown here in their mugshots, helped Giuliani dig up dirt on Joe Biden and his son, according to Mr. Giuliani, who has said that his Ukraine investigation is to help his client, the president, Parnas and Furman were arrested at Dulles Airport outside Washington, D.C. last night, holding one-way tickets out of the country, according to two U.S. officials, prompting prosecutors to today unseal this indictment that claims that they were funneling foreign money into U.S. elections, which is, of course, a crime. In May 2018, they funneled $325,000 to America First Action. That's the main pro-Trump re-election super PAC. They did so in a way that the Justice Department says was intended, quote, to evade the reporting requirements in federal election law. A White House visit for the now defendants soon followed. And just yesterday, the two men were seen having lunch with Rudy Giuliani at the Trump International Hotel here in D.C., according to The Wall Street Journal. In another case, while raising thousands of dollars for a Republican congressman, they asked the congressman in 2018 to help get rid of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, quote, at the request of one or more Ukrainian government officials. That ambassador is Marie Yovanovitch, whom President Trump ultimately fired in May. Yovanovitch is a central figure in the impeachment inquiry and is scheduled to appear before Congress tomorrow. The Wall Street Journal has previously reported that President Trump ordered the removal of Ambassador Yovanovitch after complaints from allies, including Giuliani, who felt that she was obstructing their efforts to dig up dirt on Biden. And as CNN's Jessica Schneider reports for us now, prosecutors this afternoon said this investigation is not over. Two associates of President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, in court this afternoon. Indicted on charges, they made political donations to a U.S. congressman while pushing him to help get rid of the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine on behalf of at least one Ukrainian official who wanted her gone. That's the same ambassador Trump removed from Ukraine this year, partially at the behest of Rudy Giuliani. Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman are charged with conspiracy, false statements, and funneling foreign money into U.S. elections. Parnas and Fruman were arrested around 6 p.m. last night at Dulles Airport as they were about to board an international flight with one-way tickets. The two men, along with two others also indicted, allegedly gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to a Trump-aligned super PAC. The indictment laying out that the contributions were made to advance their personal financial interests and the political interest of at least one Ukrainian government official with whom they were working. 
That foreign money coming in part from an unnamed Russian citizen whose involvement they hid because of his Russian roots and current political paranoia about it. This investigation is about corrupt behavior, deliberate lawbreaking. According to prosecutors, the men pushed a former U.S. congressman, whose sources say is Texas Republican Pete Sessions, to help get former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine Marie Yovanovitch fired. The indictment alleges Parnas and Fruman attempted to gain influence by committing to raise $20,000 or more for a then-sitting U.S. congressman, and that Parnas sought that congressman's assistance in causing the U.S. government to remove or recall the then-U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, at least in part, at the request of one or more Ukrainian government officials. Yovanovitch was recalled by President Trump in May, in part because Rudy Giuliani accused her of hampering efforts to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. I heard very, very bad things about it for a long period of time. Not good. One key question is how these two men fit into the broader scope of the Ukraine impeachment inquiry. House Democrats today subpoenaed the men for documents. Today's indictment adding intrigue to what is already known. Parnas and Fruman worked with Giuliani to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. This same dirt Trump brought up in his July 25th phone call with the Ukrainian president. The same phone call where Trump mentioned the ousted ambassador to Ukraine, who the indictment alleges Parnas and Fruman were trying to get Trump to fire because a Ukrainian official asked them to. It will be interesting uh, what they have to share and uh, what uh, Giuliani's involvement in all of this was. The president's personal lawyer, Jay Sekulow, saying in a statement to CNN, neither the candidate nor the campaign have anything to do with the scheme these guys were involved in. And turns out prosecutors in New York had to act fast. We've learned that they did not intend to unseal this indictment today, but their hand was forced when those two men bought a one-way ticket to Frankfurt, Germany, en route to another location. Of course, they were both arrested at Dulles Airport last night. And Jake, in just the past few minutes, we've learned that they will both be held in Virginia on $1 million bond, but we've learned that they also plan to secure that bond by putting up their residence and their business. If and when they are released, they will be confined to their homes with a GPS monitor. They will be allowed to travel from their homes in southern Florida to the Southern District of New York, where, of course, they are facing those criminal charges. Jake. All right, Jessica Schneider, thank you so much. And we have some breaking news for you now. We have just learned that the energy secretary, Rick Perry, has been subpoenaed by the House of Representatives for documents as part of this House impeachment inquiry. And if I can just read exactly uh, what they're uh, what they're calling for. It says recently public reports have raised questions about any role you may have played in conveying or reinforcing the president's stark message to the Ukrainian president. The chairman wrote these reports have also raised significant questions about your efforts to press Ukrainian officials to change the management structure at a Ukrainian state owned energy company to benefit individuals involved with Rudy Giuliani's push to get Ukrainian officials to interfere in our 2020 election. That's a lot to chew over. But let's start uh, with uh, the, the today's uh, uh, suit, uh, today's indictments, uh, Carrie. Let me start with you. Uh, these two men are accused of uh, giving, uh, funneling all this foreign money, including $325,000 that they were trying to uh, evade from detection in terms of, I don't know if that's foreign money, but the $325,000 intended to evade uh, election re- reporting requirements. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? What, what, is, what are the feds doing? So this is this looks like a pretty big investigation. Um, they included charges and these were just one. They did one count each. So I think Jessica's reporting that uh, they had to act fast indicates to me that this 
was a really this is a live investigation. So the current charges are just one count of campaign finance, one count of conspiracy, one count of false statements, one count of falsifying records. The fact that they just put those one counts on looks to me like there's probably a lot more beneath it. And this is just the beginning. So it looks to me like a complex investigation into foreign money coming into a variety of federal and state uh, electoral candidates and processes. And we know that these two individuals have been to the White House. We know that they've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to a pro-Trump super PAC. Mm -hmm. And we know that they were pushing uh, for President Trump or for the U.S. government to do something that President Trump ultimately did, which was to fire the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. That's right. And, you know, I understand Jay Sekulow's statement saying essentially this has nothing to do with a campaign. This has nothing to do with the White House. This has nothing to do with the president. But these were the guys who were working alongside Rudy Giuliani, who were sending forth this essentially this Ukrainian misinformation campaign, which was backed by Russian businessmen and funneling it into the White House. And ultimately that got the attention of President Trump. And he embraced that. I mean, the ambassador that they wanted ousted from Ukraine was recalled from her position. She's back. She, they're now trying to, you know, interview her uh, in front of the, the House impeachment inquiries or trying or committees are trying to set that up. So essentially, these guys were able to get a lot of what they wanted by going through Rudy Giuliani and getting directly to the president. And it, it is kind of, you know, stunning that this has been carrying on and the levels that they reached with this sort of operation. And what's your reaction to this all? I mean, it, it's uh, it's obviously unsettling to have people breaking the law, uh, you know, election law involved in this 2020 election. It's very easy to look at this as a campaign finance story, um, but actually it's a Russia story, and that's a story that's been going on since well before 2016. Uh, these are Soviet-born nationals who have figured out a way to infiltrate the U.S. campaign finance system. Uh, they were able to get a sitting congressman to vote against Russian sanctions and actively lobby to lift Russian sanctions. He's now, we know, the congressman number one that congressman uh, Congress wants to speak to as part of their inquiry. Uh, congressman Pete Sessions. Congressman Pete Sessions of Republican Texas. of Texas. He was defeated, but he's running for, he's trying to get, get his old seat. Mm -hmm. and, and while he was in office, he was actively working on behalf of, we now we know, of uh, Russian interests. So this is, this just underscores that it didn't end with the Mueller report. It didn't end in 2016. Uh, this has been an ongoing challenge for the Trump administration, their relationship with Russia, Russian individuals. And I would underscore there is a ongoing counterintelligence investigation against the president that we still do not know about. So there's a lot more to be coming down the pike. And, and uh, in addition to the counterintelligence investigation, there's a counterintelligence campaign. There's a, an intelligence campaign going on by Russia right now to change the narrative. So it's Ukraine that was responsible for interfering in the 2016 election, even though every U.S. intelligence agency has said the opposite. Uh, and these conspiracy theories apparently are going from some of these folks to Rudy Giuliani to the Resolute Desk. Yeah, or in the opposite direction. I mean, let's not make Trump too much of a passive <laughs> victim here. Oh, people are giving him things, you know. Trump wanted the Russians to intervene in 2016. He may not have coordinated it, and there was no crime, perhaps. Uh, Trump wanted, we know this from his own phone call as president of the United States to the president of Ukraine, dirt on a possible, on the most recent American vice president, who was a possible opponent of his next year. Uh, and I think Trump was perfectly happy to have his campaign get all kinds of help, both financial and otherwise, from foreign sources of various kinds. He said it publicly. You know, he wants China to help, not just the president of Ukraine. And he welcomed Putin's help. But he thinks it's terrible that the U.S. intelligence agencies mm -hmm. disbelieve Putin. I mean, the degree to which Trump has, is at the center now of a, as you say, a disinformation campaign, a campaign finance violation campaign, an improper uh, leaning on foreign governments to provide dirt on Americans. 
campaign. It's pretty remarkable. Everyone stick around. We have a lot more to talk about. And we're going to talk about this breaking news that Energy Secretary Rick Perry is just the latest official to be subpoenaed for documents in this impeachment inquiry. We're going to talk about that next. Stay with us. with the breaking news, Energy Secretary Rick Perry was just subpoenaed by the House Impeachment Inquiry Chairman for documents related to the Ukraine scandal. Let's go to CNN's Manu Raju on Capitol Hill. Manu, what are you learning about the subpoena? Yeah, the subpoenas are demanding documents by October 18th to be turned over to these three committees in light of conversations that Rick Perry had with the Ukrainian President Zelensky, as well as conversations that he had both with the president and Rudy Giuliani that led up to that surrounded those meetings. Now, there have been a number of reports about what Rick Perry was up to. And Rick Perry has said it was simply energy discussions that he was having with the Zelensky and the Ukrainian government, nothing to do with Joe Biden. But the Democrats say this in their election. They say these reports have also raised significant questions about your efforts to press Ukrainian officials to change the management structure at a Ukrainian state-owned energy company to benefit individuals involved with Rudy Giuliani's push to get Ukrainian officials to interfere in our 2020 elections. Now, Rick Perry has said in the past that he would cooperate with the House Democrats looking into this matter, but that was before that White House letter came out earlier this week saying that they essentially that they would not, the administration would not comply whatsoever. So the question is, what will they do next? A big question, though, Jake, is what did he know about what Rudy Giuliani did? CNN reported earlier this week that the president directed Giuliani to talk, to deal with the, directed Perry to talk to Giuliani about his conversations with Ukraine. Jake. All right, Manarajo on Capitol Hill. Let's chew over all this. So the allegation, this is starting to get dense and confusing, but the allegation is that there are a bunch of Ukrainians in Ukraine and President Trump and Rudy Giuliani and others are pushing them to investigate Joe Biden to get dirt. And the allegation here, the suggestion the Democrats are making is Rick Perry was suggesting that an energy company be restructured so as to help some of the people that they're counting on to provide some of this dirt. Um, Would that be a crime? Is that against the law? I have to think about whether or not that would be a crime. I mean, the question as to whether or not it's okay for U.S. government officials to be requesting foreign assistance. Really, we can think about different statutory crimes, if it's campaign violations or bribery, things in that realm. That Mm -hmm. seems a little extraneous for being able to be applied to Rick Perry. Um, But that would be the general of statutory violations at play. But the bigger issue is the constitutional issues, which is whether or not it's abuse of the executive authority to be requesting foreign assistance to assist in that campaign and whether or not Rick Perry now was in some way involved. If he knew that he was involved, um, maybe he was being used in some way or whether he actually was knowledgeable about what the bigger picture is. And I would just add, this is really the dilemma that current can't, uh, executive branch officials are going to find themselves in. As the subpoenas start getting broader and broader and issued to more and more people like the State Department officials, they're going to have to decide if they are going to comply with the congressional demands for information in support of this impeachment inquiry or whether they are going to go along with the White House to stonewall every single request and subpoena yeah. that comes out of Congress. But that's just such an amazing statement because <laughs> the, I, the, people are not grasping the magnitude of the White House stonewall, in my opinion. There are always disputes about certain documents, certain conversations that might be privileged. The idea that the ambassador to the EU isn't supposed to testify about conversations and decisions he was clearly involved in to Congress. The idea that they're going to try to stop uh, cabinet secretaries 
It's one thing to have a White House staffer shouldn't talk about private conversations with the president. A cabinet secretary is not supposed to talk about representing the U.S. abroad. I mean, one thing that would help clear out, clear up this very difficult, complex tangle of things is to learn the facts. And I do think the Democrats just need to be very clear at the front. If they are not, they're not going to go litigate this forever in courts. They're not going to dispute the, more mm. on the margins of these. If they can't get basic cooperation on things that are unquestionably in the past have been within Congress's purview to investigate, they need to say that itself is an impeachable offense. And that's a decision of the president. That's not Rick Perry's decision. That's not Mike Pompeo's decision as to whether people can testify. That's Trump himself saying no. And you, we, we, could, we could find quote after quote mm. after quote from House Republicans during the Obama years talking about the need for Congress to conduct its oversight, whether it was then-Congressman Mike Pompeo, now Secretary of State, uh, saying that this is what Congress does, Mm -hmm. and that's why Hillary Clinton testified for so many hours about the Benghazi tragedy. Um, Who was the Congressman who was running that investigation? (laughs) Right. Yeah, now going to be the defense lawyer, right? I mean, I mean, Democrats at some point have to be willing to use the same tactics and tools that Republicans used against Bill Clinton in the last impeachment hearing. You have to be willing to arrest people for breaking the law. It is not the law, like not necessarily breaking the law, uh, a criminal act of what Rick Perry may have done or what is uh, the whether or not it's criminal about what's happening with the Ukraine. That's a part of a congressional oversight, their statutory authority. But if you deny a subpoena, you don't show up. That is denying effectively a court order. Susan McDougal, average citizen working you know, close to the Clintons, was arrested and went to jail for 18 months for refusing to answer three questions. But you can't. This is, these are the people who are responsible for the public trust and have actually been appointed and approved by the, by the people asking them to show up. And that's true. But if you are a Democrat and you're out there and that's the argument you're making, you're, you're losing. You can't just constantly be arguing about this subpoena and that subpoena and in the weeds about Rick Perry, what Rick Perry did or didn't do. The point that this has moved from oversight to impeachment is because the president and his allies allegedly have taken the U.S. government and said, we are not using the U.S. government just for the interest of U.S. policymaking anymore. We are using it for our own political interests. We are using it for our own financial interests. And we are using it for the financial interests of all those people around us. That is why we've moved into impeachment territory and not oversight territory. And if they are stuck in this sort of process fight day in and day out, then the American public is not going to understand the sort of magnitude. And of I agree with you on, on the process piece, but I think that's actually the White House's messaging is that there's no vote. We haven't done the formal part. They're the ones arguing that this is a process problem versus we know some, we know treason when we smell it. Yeah. And we know that what's happening right now is not in the public trust. Well, Congress had an oversight responsibility during the Obama years, and mm-hmm. it does now during the Trump years as well. I think we all agree on that. Now that two Rudy Giuliani associates have been indicted, will House Democrats be able to get the documents they want from them related to the Ukraine scandal? Stay with us. In our politics lead now, the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York announced today the arrest of two associates of Rudy Giuliani who have been helping the president's lawyer in efforts to dig up dirt on Joe Biden. But now, for alleged crimes unrelated to the dirt digging, Lev Parnas and Igor Fruman are behind bars. What might this all mean for the White House? And joining me now is Preet Bharara. He was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York until President Trump ignominiously fired him. Preet, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, Sure. These are the guys who are helping Rudy Giuliani, quote unquote, investigate Joe Biden. How significant do you think uh, today's arrests are? I think they're pretty significant. And the main reason that, that any arrests are significant when the people involved may have information about other conduct that has been under inquiry for a while, the Ukraine business, is that when you um, get arrested, especially by the federal government, 
you have uh, a motivation to cooperate, to flip. And we talked about that a lot during the, in the months leading up to the Michael Cohen plea, uh, the former lawyer to the president. And depending on what information he has, and depending on uh, these, these four men, actually, the two, two of them, uh, of them are, are associates of Giuliani in connection with the Ukraine business. But if they have good information and they want to do themselves a favor, who knows what other information they have with respect to Rudy Giuliani or anyone else? Um, mm. There's no allegation that I read in the in the indictment that connects the business they were doing with Ukraine and Giuliani directly to what they're charged with, which is basically campaign finance violations using straw donors and the like. The indictment um, says that these men told a, a congressman, not named in the indictment, but we've learned it's Republican. Texas Congressman Pete Sessions, they said they would raise money for him and then, quote, sought Congressman One's assistance in causing the U.S. government to remove or recall the then U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, unquote. Now, the president's attorney, Jay Sekulow, says none of this has anything to do with President Trump or his campaign. And yet we do know that President Trump did essentially fire that U.S. ambassador to Ukraine from that position. What do you make of what Jay Sekulow has to say? Well, a couple of reactions. One, um, it's not just that Donald Trump wanted to remove the Ukrainian ambassador. The other reporting that I've seen is that he did it at the behest of Rudy Giuliani, who is an associate of these two men who got arrested. The other thing I would say in, in favor of, uh, of the congressman and others is that the indictment makes clear to say, at least so far, that these schemes to engage in straw donors, straw donors and, um, and campaign finance fraud were done without the knowledge of the campaign, in other words, without the knowledge of the candidates. So it may be the case that these guys were operating on their own, it may be the case that, that Rudy Giuliani had knowledge, but so far prosecutors are making it clear in their uh, charging document that the candidates did not know. House Democrats just subpoenaed documents from these two individuals, these associates of Rudy Giuliani. I, I guess one question I have is, does the Southern District of New York indicting these two hurt the ability of House Democrats to conduct their impeachment inquiry? I mean, that may be a consequence. You know, I've seen some people posting on social media suggesting that this was a way for somehow the Justice Department to prevent them from testifying and in some way impede the, the, uh, the, the House committee proceeding. Um, the facts are, as I understand them, that these gentlemen were on their way out of the country and were arrested at Dallas Airport, which may account for the timing of this. It doesn't sound like they're going to be very cooperative with the House inquiry anyway. And as far as I'm concerned, when I was a U.S. attorney, we thought if you had a serious criminal matter, that took precedence. No disrespect to the other branch of government or to Congress, uh, but you need to deal with the criminal proceeding first. Maybe there's a way to, be, to accommodate uh, the House, but generally speaking, when people get indicted by the federal government, they will plead the fifth with respect to any inquiries of them, including from the House. Now, you sat down uh, for your podcast with prominent conservative attorney and Trump critic George Conway for a very rare interview. Your podcast is called Stay Tuned with Preet Bharara. I, I want to take a listen uh, to uh, uh, some of his comments on impeachment. Take a listen. I mean, this was trash. I mean, basically, the thrust of the thrust of it is that there are some kind of constitutional obligations that the House has failed to meet that therefore that, that, that therefore render its impeachment inquiry illegitimate and unconstitutional. That's uh, George Conway's reaction to the White House letter written to Nancy yeah. Pelosi, basically saying they're not going to cooperate at all uh, with the impeachment inquiry. What did you think of Conway's comments? Yeah, I, thought, I thought he was exactly right. As I said in the podcast with him, my reaction to the White House counsel's letter uh, was not good either. I thought it was poorly written. It seemed like a political document. 
Um, his language is very strong. Uh, he called it trash. I think he called it garbage and various other synonyms for what you throw out um, on the street. Uh, you know, the bottom line is it doesn't seem like uh, the administration is actually basing its decision on principle or on constitutional uh, tradition. They made a calculation that if they bring information forward, it's going to hurt them. And so they wrote this letter basically saying, we're not going to play ball unless you do some other thing that's not required by the Constitution. Look, at the end of the day, it could be that Nancy Pelosi decides that there will be a formal vote in the full House to decide the procedures by which you proceed. Um, that's not necessary under the Constitution. That's not necessary under the rule that's happened before. And maybe at the end of the day, she'll do it. But the excuse that they can't come forward and cooperate based on that is obviously nonsense. Uh, this morning, uh, Conway and uh, a group uh, that he's part of, uh, consisting of other conservative uh, lawyers uh, and officials, they laid out a legal argument uh, on why they think an expedited impeachment is needed for Trump. Uh, with you, Tr Tr Conway also talked about um, how impeachment and the president's pattern of behavior, in his view, uh, is part of a diagnosis he's made uh, of the president being a, a malignant narcissist or something like that. Um, take a listen to this. You can point to so many things, areas and ways in which he puts himself before the country. And not all of those things individually would amount to an impeachable offense, but they do fit a pattern. Do you think uh, that, let, let's get away from the diagnosis since neither of us are, are physicians and George isn't either, but do yeah. you think an expedited inquiry is, is the best way for Pelosi to do this? Look, I'm going to give you an equivocal answer. It depends on what that means. You know, there's a tension always in every investigation between wanting to do it quickly so that the cloud is lifted or, or you know, some accountability is had versus doing it in a thorough way so that all the information is before the public. Here, in some ways, uh, we thought a couple of weeks ago when all we were talking about was Ukraine and that phone call uh, and maybe the segregation of that material on a secret server, that maybe you could keep it you know, narrow and streamlined and get to the bottom of it in a few weeks. Uh, every other day, we seem to find new information. There's information emerging about Turkey. There's information about Donald Trump dealing with China. Uh, and there are other whistleblowers potentially coming forward. That makes it a little bit harder to have it go quickly. I also think that for purposes of impeachment, which is different from a, you know, a normal federal criminal prosecution, public sentiment matters. Uh, and you know, in some ways, you, you want to have the public understanding in real time what's going on. And so that they are backing hopefully what eventually would be a bipartisan vote uh, in favor of impeachment. Otherwise, I think you rip the country apart. So I think they should go quickly. I think when they're uh, stalled, they should draft articles of impeachment that, that show that they have been obstructed and draw adverse inferences. But, but they shouldn't go so quickly as to not, you know, let the public keep up. All right. Preparar, former U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Sure. That's the breaking news for you now on the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Law enforcement officials are telling CNN that Giuliani's financial dealings with these two associates who were just arrested are under scrutiny by investigators. CNN's Shimon Prokipes is with has this reporting for us. And Shimon, uh, what are you learning? Yeah, that's right, Jake. So Lev Parnes and Igor Fruman, the two men that were stopped at Dulles Airport, uh, their relationship with Rudy Giuliani has now caught the attention of both the FBI 
and Manhattan prosecutors here over at the the Southern District of New York, the federal prosecutors, uh, according to law enforcement officials that have uh, been briefed, uh, this according to me and uh, CNN's Evan Perez, uh, who have been told that specifically they are looking at, one of the things that they are looking at is the financial dealings between these two individuals and Rudy Giuliani. Uh, of course, the Ukraine matter uh, in the mind of a lot of the federal investigators and prosecutors, and they want to know what this relationship was about, Perhaps they're looking at the money. Who was funding some of this? Was Rudy Giuliani in any way making money off of this? We're told specifically that the financial dealings are one of the things that the FBI and Manhattan prosecutors are looking at, uh, as well as the overall relationship here, Jake. All right, Shimon Prokopes, thank you so much. Coming up, fallout from the pullout. President Trump suggests the possible escape of some hardcore ISIS fighters is someone else's problem. Our reporter is one of the only Western journalists inside northern Syria. Stay with us. We're going to go right there. In our world lead today, the death toll rising as Turkey intensifies its military attacks in northern Syria, killing civilians and Kurdish forces who had previously helped U.S. troops fight ISIS. CNN's Clarissa Ward was the first Western journalist into northern Syria. Clarissa, what does Turkey say is its end goal? Turkey says its end goal, Jake, is to clear a large swath of territory. We're talking about more than 200 miles wide, 18 and a half miles deep into the country to completely clear it of Kurdish fighting forces that they view as being an existential terrorist threat and a risk to their national security. Their secondary goal, they say, Jake, is to try to resettle some of the 3.6 million Syrian refugees who are currently living in Turkey. But frankly, from what we we have been seeing on the ground as a result of the first two days of this operation, it is only more civilians who are getting displaced. Some 60,000 forced from their homes already. That number expected to rise to hundreds of thousands in the coming days. And the real issue here, Jake, for those civilians is they don't know where to go. There is no place right now in northern Syria that is a safe place for them to go. And, and Clarissa, you've been talking to people on the ground there in northern Syria, people who are not only afraid of, of what the Turks are doing, but who feel betrayed by the U.S. and President Trump. There's a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, a lot of confusion as well from people. The minute they find out that we're American journalists, they come up to us and they want to understand why it is. Why would America betray us this way? Why, after so many thousands of Kurdish fighters have laid down their lives on the front lines of the battle against ISIS, would the U.S. now pull back special operations officers from the border, essentially, therefore, giving Turkey carte blanche to come in and launch this kind of military operation? Operation. And to be honest, Jake, as a U.S. journalist, it's always an awkward situation because there isn't an easy answer to give these people as to why the U.S. isn't doing more to support fighters who have been their firmest allies in the fight against ISIS for many years, Jake. All right, Clarissa Ward reporting from inside Syria. Thank you so much and please stay safe. Our next guest is a Republican congressman who's taking a public stand against the president's troop withdrawal in Syria. Stay with us. We're back with more in our world lead and Republicans lining up to call out President Trump and his decision to move U.S. troops out of northern Syria, leaving Kurdish forces who worked for years to help the U.S. fight ISIS, even taking the front lines themselves now alone to combat Turkey, which is, of course, uh, NATO's second largest army. I want to bring in uh, Congressman Brad Wenstrup of Ohio. He's an Iraq War veteran and officer in the Army Reserve. He's also 
one of the many Republicans criticizing President Trump's move. Um, Congressman, I know that you have met the Kurds, both from when you were in the Army and also when you were a congressman. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of viewers out there who probably Mm -hmm. don't understand why people such as yourself have such an emotional attachment to them beyond the fact that they're U.S. allies. Uh, Explain. Well, you know, when you're in war, especially, you want to know who your friends are. And that is something that we learned firsthand in Iraq. I didn't spend a lot of time with with the Kurds. I was mostly down into the main part of Iraq. But when I did go to the Kurdish area, this was the only time that I could walk through the streets without armor, in uniform, and people would come up and hug me. It's the only time in a year deployment that I actually ate at a restaurant. When I went up there, I was surprised. We had American universities there. We had Domino's Pizza. You had churches. It was amazing, and you felt so loved. And, you know, you think about it. We did keep them safe from Saddam Hussein for years with the no-fly zone. And then, you know, unfortunately, when we withdrew from Iraq and you had the ISIS caliphate, who was there for us? The Kurds were there for us, and they've, and they've been there for us. And, and I think it's important to maintain allies, you know, because what goes on other places does matter here. If we didn't learn that after 9-11, I don't know when we're going to. Mm-hmm. And so although we don't want endless wars, we don't want endless wars. But at the same time, we certainly would like to work with our allies so that they can keep an eye out for us and, and maintain our safety as well. Congressman, I want you to listen to what your colleague, Republican Congressman John Shimkus, told an Illinois radio station earlier today. Take a listen. Pull my name off the I support Donald Trump list. I mean, this was just, we have just stabbed our allies in the back. Do you agree? Have we stabbed our allies in the back? Well, I, I certainly, unless I'm missing something, it seems like we've turned our back on them, and I don't feel good about that. You know, you make a lot of friends in war, believe it or not. I just had lunch the other day with one of my interpreters who's now a U.S. citizen and a cardiologist mm-hmm. in Ohio. And it gives me great pleasure. You, you, you know who your friends are and the ones that are willing to support you. And when they do, you, you want to stand by them in return. And we do need them. You know, it's not that it's just over there. The world is different today. And like I said, 9-11 and the influence of ISIS to even launch attacks to harm people in the United States is very present. And, you know, at the same time, let's talk about the Turks. I mean, when we, whether you're for or against the Iraq war, they wouldn't let us come mm-hmm. in from the north, making it very much, much more challenging so, you look at them, now they're buying uh, weapons from Russia. It's a concern from, yeah. on both sides of this, not only how we're treating the Kurds and what the Turks are doing. Do you have any idea why President Trump did this? Because this wasn't part of some, like, let's withdraw all U.S. troops from Syria and Iraq, which it at least, if he had done that, that would have at least been made some sense. But why just withdraw the ones from the border area to do what Erdogan wanted him to do? Why? No, I, would, I don't know, and I'd love to have a briefing on what the, the ex- expectation is. But, you know, we have a resolution out that's going to try and put, some, put sanctions on the Turks, and hopefully that would have a positive effect. You know, fortunately, we do have some other branches of, of government, and we can intervene at times, and that's one of the beauties of America. But I think that if we can reach out and mm-hmm. put some uh, restrictions on Turkey, it'll be a big help, and I'm going to work towards that. I want to ask you about just one other foreign policy issue, of course, and that's the president and his team uh, uh, asking Ukraine to investigate the Bidens. Your fellow Ohio Republican, Senator Rob Portman, said this week of the president's July 25th phone call with the president of Ukraine, quote, the president should not have raised the Biden issue on that call, period. It's not appropriate for a president to engage a foreign government in an investigation of a political opponent, unquote. Do you agree with Senator Portman? 
Well, I have a couple thoughts on that. I don't think he needed to mention Joe Biden because that was kind of the elephant in the room, if you will. I mean, this is a news story that's you know, kind of known throughout the world, so it probably wasn't necessary. But I do think it's appropriate for, for heads of state to be able to have a conversation and talk about corruption that may be affecting their country and ours. And I also think just because you're a candidate doesn't make you immune. If you're running for sheriff and you've broken laws, I think the, and the sitting sheriff should be able to investigate you. But that we can debate that all we want. Uh, the bottom line right now, I think, is what was actually said, and both parties have said that uh, they didn't feel mm -hmm. that there was there was pressure. And I guess you know, going to whether it's an impeachable offense, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's been a lot of controversy about how this uh, whole thing has been handled, okay. starting in my, not starting with, but concluding with Adam Schiff giving a false testimony of what right. actually was said between the two leaders. We're out of time. Republican yeah. Congressman and Iraq War veteran Brad Wenstrup, thank you so much, and thank. Thank you for your service, as always. In just a moment, CNN's Dr. Sanjay Gupta is going to sit down with Senator Bernie Sanders for a live interview about Senator Sanders' health since he had that heart attack. Stay with us.